Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. The reading from the Word this morning is from Jude 17 to 21. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you here today. Uh, And a very happy Waitangi Day to everyone. As Pastor Richard shared earlier, Waitangi Day is something we can celebrate as Christians in New Zealand because the Christian missionaries were truly instrumental in bringing together the Maori tribe leaders and the British Crown, right, to agree on the terms of that treaty so that all peoples coming to New Zealand can experience the wonders of this land in harmony. Now, while the treaty emphasized biculturalism, look at where we are now, right? It has certainly gone further than that, and people like me can now be part of this wonderful country. So I'm thankful, (laughs) and it is truly a celebration, Waitangi Day. Now, that being said, did you know that the Tuesday pass was also the Lunar New Year? The Lunar New Year is celebrated by the Chinese, the Vietnamese, the Koreans, and I think there might be a few other Asian people groups that may celebrate the Lunar New Year as well. And so being ethnically Chinese, allow me to give you the traditional Chinese greeting. My Mandarin isn't so good, um, but you might not know, so I'm quite comfortable. <laughs> so here we go. Sing Nian Kwaila, Wan Shi Ru Yi, Shen Ti Jian Kang, Nian Nian Yi. Now, did you understand anything? <laughs> How? Pass? Uh, Irene say I pass. Okay, good. <laughs> I practiced quite a bit yesterday. So. <laughs> uh, now, let's go to God in a word of prayer uh, as we commit this time to Him. Lord, speak, for your servants are listening. Speak and enable us to truly hear you. Speak and grant us grace to obey. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now today being the last of our What's on My Mind sermon series and the start of the Chinese New Year or the Lunar New Year, I thought it would be good for us to start thinking about what this year, 2022, means for us as Christians in New Zealand and as a church, East City Wesleyan. You've heard me share about evangelism and about serving in the local church in my last two sermons. Uh, And once again, many thanks to Pastor Joey for this uh, wonderful sermon series. I really, really like it. And before that, you heard from Pastor Richard about having faith in God, saying, yes, Lord, I believe, and about trusting God 
even in our suffering. And last week, you heard from the other pastor, Steph, about living the biblical understanding of the good life and about building into our rhythms of life some spiritual disciplines to help us get there. Today, I want to hopefully sum up what we as a pastoral team are hearing from God about what 2022 will bring and what we need to be focused on as a church. And I'm telling you this now because I'm very excited about the next two Sundays. All right, the next two Sundays are vision weeks for us here at East City Wesleyan Church. And Pastor Joey and uh, Pastor Richard will be sharing about our plans for discipleship and outreach and ministry for this year. So I want you to get excited for it, and I want each one of you here to make a special point to listen even more intently to what they will be sharing in the next two weeks. Is that all right? And those at home as well, all right? Now, I've chosen a Bible passage from the Epistle of Jude. Jude is the shortest book of the Bible with only uh, one chapter spanning 25 verses. Apostle Jude or Saint Jude is thought to be the author of this epistle. He is the brother of Jesus and he wrote this letter to the Christians of his day. And he wrote for a specific purpose, which he states for us in verse 3 of his letter. Now let's read this together. Ready? Go. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. To contend for the faith, to contend. Now think of that, think about that for a minute. What does it mean to contend for the faith? Now I'll come back to this very shortly. But Apostle Jude goes on to talk about how ungodly people have seeped into the community of faith, calling themselves Christians and communing with believers, but who live only for themselves and their own selfish desires, without accountability, without love for others, and without the Holy Spirit. And so we read verses 17 through 19 together. Let's read this. Ready? But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. What's interesting to note here, church, is that what Jude describes here, the environment, the circumstances, the kind of society the church was located in at the time, is really no different than what we experience today. Would anyone disagree? All of us, I'm sure, would have come across people who call themselves Christians, but who, as the verse says, follow their own ungodly desires. Now, ungodly refers to anything that is outside of what God wants or what he wills for us. Now, having ungodly desires by itself is not sin. As human beings on the path to perfection in the process of sanctification, and we've spoken about this on our sermon series on holiness, 
all of us are not yet perfect. We are on the way. And so we will experience temptations in the form of ungodly desires. So that in itself is not sin. But following those ungodly desires, acting on them or entertaining them is sin. And Jude goes on to elaborate on these scoffers who follow their ungodly desires. He says that these are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Holy Spirit. You see, church, and here's the kicker. We as a people of God and as individual Christians, if we follow mere natural instincts and are not led by the Spirit of God, we will end up becoming people who divide the church and tear others apart. And that's the truth, and that's what's right there in the Scriptures. Now, at this point, some of you might be thinking, wow, Pastor Steph, sounds really dreary for a Sunday morning, as if the rainy weather isn't enough. Can we get to something more lighthearted? Well, I'm getting there, all right? But I want to share first the context of what we're talking about here, so that you know the importance and how critical it is for all of us to be led by the Spirit. Right? All of us as members of this community of faith. It's not just the pastors and the staff and the volunteers. It is all of us together. Amen? Okay, great. So now knowing the context and the gravity of the situation, what then should we do? Now let's keep reading the last two verses of our passage for today. Ready? One, two, three. But you, dear friends... By building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Earlier, the question was asked, what does it mean to contend for the faith? And the answer is found here. To contend for the faith is to keep ourselves in God's love. And that phrase, keep yourselves in God's love, is taken directly from verse 21. So naturally, the next question is, what does keeping ourselves in God's love means? I want to share three points with you very quickly. The first concerns the what. What does it mean to keep ourselves in God's love? Now notice that the emphasis in these verses is on God's love for us and not on our love for God. So keeping ourselves in God's love does not mean that we are to break ourselves trying to make ourselves lovable to God. Right? Jude is not asking us to strive to win God's love or to strive to prove the immense love we have for God. Scripture is clear in that God loves even the most unlovely, even the most unlovable. So we don't have to strive after his love because he already loves us. Now, neither is Jude saying that we are so good, we are so great that everybody loves us, even God loves us. Right? No, we are not worthy of God's love. We are not deserving of God's love. 
But God is so great that He loves us anyway. The love of God that Jude writes about here is a reflection of God's goodness, the greatness of His love, and the enduring patience of a holy and loving God. So what is Jude trying to say when he exhorts the Christians of his day to keep themselves in God's love? Is there such a thing as not keeping in God's love? Well, it will appear the answer is yes. A person can possibly step outside the love of God, not in the sense that God withdraws his love or withholds his love, because, you know, doing because we do something bad or something like that. No, Scripture tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How great is God's love for us? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Let's read this together. Ready? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, while we were ignorant of God's love, while we were ignorant of his will for us, Christ died for us. And again, Scripture says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And Apostle Paul writes this, and let's read this together as well. Ready? One, two, three. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. God doesn't withhold his love and his love is without condition. It is without prerequisite. We don't deserve his love, but he offers it unconditionally and freely. Yet, even in the face of such pure and undeserved love, we can choose to step outside of his love. The essence of love is that we are given the choice to keep ourselves in the love of God or be swept away unwittingly or walk away intentionally from such a divine love. You see, even though God's love is freely offered and is all around his creation, really, we can make ourselves unconscious of it or even develop an aversion to it. Now take for an example, the sun. The sun gives light and life to many creatures, but under some circumstances, Sun rays can kill. There are creepy crawlies that live under rocks and other sources of shade. And if you remove that shade, they squirm and they die. Imagine a child of abuse kept in a confined space, a box, for example, in the dark. And one day, that box is opened. The absence of light for that prolonged length of time would have caused the child many health problems. So light would be good for that child. But the sudden burst of light into that box 
might also cause some damage and some blindness. So also, it is possible for a person to set himself up so as to be unconscious of God's love or in antagonism to the love of God, even though that is exactly what he needs. And I think this boils down to relationship. Similar to the relationship between couples or between parent and child, recently a friend of mine wrote in her Facebook page, you know how Facebook can share memories kind of thing? So my friend shared a picture of her wedding a few years back. And she commented, It feels like we have been married for longer than that, and I am so happy. I woke up this morning and looked at him sleeping just like a child. My heart can't help but just expand and fill up with more love. Such a sweet thought, isn't it? When the relationship is good, the feelings of love are forthcoming and it is enjoyable, isn't it? Husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends, parents and children, you might love each other dearly, but imagine if you just had a quarrel with the other person and then you catch a glimpse of them walking by. Right? What type of feelings well up within you? Not, not very loving feelings, probably, right? Probably some frustration and annoyance. And so it is possible to not be in the love of God. But the reverse is also true. It is possible, and I would suggest not only possible, but very much within our reach to keep ourselves in God's love. In the midst of daily responsibilities, cares, and even sorrows, we can and should keep ourselves perpetually in the conscious enjoyment of the love of God. Amidst the daily grind of life and work, we can and should experience the sweetness of God's all-abiding love. And this brings me to my second point, which is the how. How are we to keep ourselves in God's love? Jude gives us two ways in the preceding verse. Let's read verse 20 together. Ready? One, two, three. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love. That's the how. One, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith. And two, by praying in the Holy Spirit. Allow me to dissect these two ways really quickly. So the first, building ourselves up in our most holy faith. I want to share just two observations. And the first is that we are responsible for our own spiritual growth. We are responsible for our own spiritual growth. Wouldn't you agree? We can have the finest looking sanctuary, the best sound, lights and audio system, the most comfortable seats in church, the best discipleship programs and outreach programs, but all these things cannot make us grow if we do not take responsibility 
for our own spiritual lives. The church, together with the pastors, staff and volunteers, can help provide an environment conducive for spiritual growth and expression. But no one can grow on your behalf. I can't grow on your behalf. That's just not possible. We all have to be responsible for our own spiritual growth. Second, faith in Jesus has a tendency to produce holiness. Faith in Jesus produces holiness. In Methodist terms or Wesleyan terms, we call this sanctifying grace. When we place our trust in the Lord Jesus, he gives us the grace to live out holy lives. Right? We are not able to be holy on our own strength. But when we trust in the Lord, he enables us to be holy as he is holy. We spoke about this in our series on holiness a while back. Holiness of heart and holiness of life. When we speak of God's love, and our main point for today, right, is to keep ourselves in God's love. It comes hand in hand with God's holiness. One cannot be without the other. So when we say that we want to be holy as God is holy, when we say that, we need to also keep ourselves in God's love. And when we say that we want to keep ourselves in God's love, we need to be holy as he is holy. Does that make sense? Or have I confused you? Is everyone still following? All right, good. <laughs> now, let me ask you then, how does faith produce holiness? How does faith produce holiness? Sometimes we like to confuse and overcomplicate things. I do that sometimes. Faith is the noun, and trust is the verb. Faith produces holiness when we trust in God. Sometimes that trust means that we do the things that God has called us to do, such as serving in various ministries in church or sharing your faith with others. Sometimes that trust is demonstrated in other ways. But for me, these two things are the twofold purpose of why the church exists. Discipleship and outreach. Growing in our faith individually and as a church and reaching others with the good news of Christ. The question I will pose to you today is, how are you planning on trusting in God in the most, uh, two most important aspects of faith? Growing in your relationship with God, and that's discipleship, and in your witness to others, and that's outreach. How are you planning on trusting in God in these two aspects? And at this point, it may be good to point out that the vision of our church is a bit, a bit small. Looks a bit small. I mean, for me, <laughs> for you, you can see it, right? Let's read that together. The vision of our church. People growing through the power of the Holy Spirit and reaching others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you see how that comes together? Now, this brings me to the second how, which is praying in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, prayer is such an integral part of Christian faith and expression. I cannot overemphasize this. We need to pray individually and as a body of Christ. Prayer undergirds every person's relationship with God, right? You hear this many times. The key to having a good relationship is communication. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is communication with God. Now, I don't want you to be afraid when I say that prayer is very important, right? Because when I was a younger Christian, when someone gives me that remark, you know, that we need to be very prayerful, I used to have this certain impression of a prayerful person, right? This person would be very soft-spoken, very humble, very wise, and maybe has quite a lot of white hair. Um, I'm not sure if you have that sort of impression. Now, allow me to try and dispel this um, false dichotomy. Now, my mom is a good example of this. She's a very prayerful person, and she can spend hours in prayer on her own, and she loves it. And when asked to pray with someone, I can tell you her prayers are long. And I mean long, all right? But look at her, right? Well, she used to have red hair, and now she has stopped dyeing her hair, so... She fits the white hair description. But, but she's very loud. Her dressing is very trendy, bright colors, you know, um, very different from what you would expect. And, on the, and of course, you know, looking at me, obviously she's, yeah. Well, enough said. And on the other end of the spectrum, this is uh, Reverend Poe. Reverend Paul was one of my mentors when I began ordained ministry in Singapore. Yes, he has white hair, his movements are a bit slow as an older man, he talks slowly, um, he completely fits that description, right? But his prayers are very short and very directed. We even used to joke with him that his short prayers are the reason he always gets us to say grace at the beginning of meals, you know? He'll just say, thank you, God, for food and friends. We pray in Jesus' name. And I'm like, yeah, time to eat. <laughs> now, prayer is not something you score points for. It's not about how many hours or minutes you spend a day in quiet prayer, kneeling at your bedside. It's good if you have that habit. It's a good spiritual discipline you, that, you, that we can have. And if you do that, please do continue. And I will encourage all of us to set aside uninterrupted time every day for prayer, as much as possible. But prayer can also be an ongoing thing, right? As I'm speaking to you now, I'm praying simultaneously. Anytime that I'm conscious of the presence of God, I am praying because I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. How else can I be led by the Spirit if I am not hearing from Him, right? Okay, so now we've heard about the what and the how. Keeping ourselves in God's love means that we experience and enjoy the sweetness of God's all-abiding love all the time. We do this by building ourselves up in our most holy faith, meaning that we put our trust in God to obey Him in all aspects of life, and by praying in the Holy Spirit, which is how God reveals Himself to us. Now I'm hoping that you see how all this fits together. My last point for today concerns the why. 
Now let's read the last two verses of today's passage again together. Ready? But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. We keep ourselves in God's love as we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. When we keep ourselves in God's love, we experience a glimpse of eternal life. Someone once wrote this, the whole point of eternal life isn't that we live forever. The whole point of eternal life is that we get to experience the sweet presence of God for eternity, to know him more fully and to experience him more completely. The sweet presence of God. You might have heard it described, the sweet presence of God is like honey to the lips. It is pleasurable, it is sweet, but not just any kind of sweet. It is reassuring, it is good for you, it is delicious, and you want more. But if you have never tasted honey before, and you want someone to describe it to you, it's a bit difficult, isn't it? Most people will tell you that you have to taste it for yourself. That's God's love. That's the presence of God. It is a taste of eternal life. As we keep ourselves in God's love, we are reminded of our eternal destiny. Here in this life, we can only experience glimpses of that reality. But those glimpses keep us on this Christian journey of faith. As you have heard, there are many causes for celebration this week. Waitangi Day, the long weekend, the Lunar New Year. But what is truly worth celebrating is actually something we can experience every day of our lives. That is the sweet presence of God, a glimpse of eternal life. It is no secret that the last two years have been tough. And this year, will likely be difficult as well. But through these difficult and somewhat unusual times, we can endeavour to keep ourselves in God's love by building ourselves up in the most holy faith and by praying in the Holy Spirit. And so church, let's make this year, 2022, the year that we really commit to keeping ourselves and each other in God's love. Can we do that together? Yes. In closing, I read to you from the New Revised Standard Version. But you, beloved, must remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. For they said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers indulging their own ungodly lusts. It is these worldly people, devoid of the Spirit, who are causing divisions. But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. 
Look forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. In the next two Sundays, the pastors will share what we have been thinking and praying about uh, for, for our church in regards to discipleship and outreach and ministry. But in the meantime, I want you to start thinking and praying about it for yourself and for your family. The question I want to leave with you is this. How are you planning on trusting in God in the two most important aspects of faith? Growing in your relationship with God and in your witness to others. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the sweet presence of your spirit in this place. We thank you for your immense, intense, and magnificent love for each one of us and for our church. Today, Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts that we may not shy away from what you are saying to us, but we may be courageous, that we may be committed, that we may rise to the challenge of what this year may bring. We pray for our families watching at home, our families here. We pray, Lord, especially for the young ones, that you will enable parents to bring their children up in the ways of the Lord, we pray for our older members that you will grant protection, good health, strength as they continue in this journey of faith. And we pray for all of us that we may be committed to building ourselves up and building each other up. That this year may be a year where we keep ourselves and each other in your love. We thank you, Lord. Your grace is truly sufficient and your spirit is truly all-empowering. So we entrust ourselves into your hand. Lead us, guide us, and grant us the courage and the strength to go wherever you lead. We pray all this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.